I learned that song in Tortola. I liked, I loved that when I heard it for the first time and wanted to keep singing it, but it is great to see you here tonight, each and every one of you, with your smiling faces and your happy, happy Jesus hearts. <laughs> That's wonderful. Let's go to God in prayer, please. A fabulous God, thank you. We thank you so very much for all that you've done and for all that you do. And for all that you will do, thank you for blessing us. Thank you for preparing a place for us. And thank you for providing an opportunity for us to be able to be in that place that you've made for us. We thank you for Jesus, your great son. We thank you for the amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf. So freely, so willingly. Because that's the great love with which you have for us. We thank you for this moment of worship. Please bless this hour, Lord God that we might worship you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee. Amen. Matthew 26. Tonight I thought um, we'd pick up on the conversation between Jesus, his disciples, and Judas. And we'll think about that and then we'll think about ourselves. Have I ever been in a position... Or ask the question, who, me? Matthew 26, beginning of verse 20. And when the evening had come, he was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. And being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And the statement grieved, grieved all, but Judas and they were in disbelief, and their hearts, they wondered, you know, could he be talking about me? Is it, is it me? Surely not I, Lord. And then Judas, who is the sinister one, in verse 23, and he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. And the Son of Man is going to go. And just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better or good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. And he said to him, You said it yourself. Judas had a dismissive attitude. I want to talk for just a moment about preachers. And then I want to come back to the rest of us, if that's all right. I'll ask all the preachers if that's all right, and they'll say, yeah, it's, it's fine. First Samuel chapter 3. But here's a question that comes from um, within, and then maybe you might be able to fit uh, your own mind in this thought. Have you ever heard a sermon, and in the middle of the sermon you wondered if it was you? <laughs> Is God talking to me? <laughs> right? You ever done that before? Let me tell you something. Every week, right, I'm studying. I'm going, oh, okay, Lord, got that, right? You know, I need to make sure that it comes to me first, right? So I look at the message. I listen to the message. I think about the message. I pray over the message. And sometimes, and maybe uh, uh, as we dig a little bit deeper, we begin to ask ourselves, I wonder if God is talking to me. In fact, every time I open the Bible, if I ask, uh, I want my, my question to God is, show me me. You know, let me find me in your in your words, some of my best sermons came from me. 
I just didn't tell you necessarily, but right? came all about it was all about all about me. You ever heard a message? The messenger comes and tells you something about yourself, right? And and the, you know you answer the question like who me? And yeah, but you know it's really you, right? And you ever hate the messenger? <laughs> well, sometimes <laughs> sometimes that happens, right? You ever been one of those people that heard a message, whether it be a sermon or a Bible class or wherever it may be, and you realize that you need to repent, but you, you don't? So what has God done for the preachers? First Samuel chapter 3. Sometimes we have to go up, and we have to bring lessons that uh, we're not fond of. I mean, we don't, we're not excited about bringing those messages, but we have to. We're God's messenger, God's, God's servant. And we're going to look at just a few moments, uh, for a few moments, of some preachers, preachers who had to deliver messages that weren't very fun. Right? And another question had to be, as it would be maybe for me, you want me to say that to them? <laughs> who, me? Right? Remember Moses? Who, me, Lord? Go back to who, Pharaoh? Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call for me. And Eli discerned that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called at, at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for thy servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And then Eli comes up to you and says, Hey, what did God tell you? <laughs> what? Verse 15. Eli says, So Samuel lay down until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, but Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Because it was all about Eli. Not that the sermon is all about you. It's about all of us, isn't it? When we're preaching from the Word of God, it's about all of us. We take this inventory of self, we think about the message. You can't be afraid to tell the message. Right? Not if you're going to be God's preacher. But when you're a young boy, such as, such as Samuel was, and to carry out, I'm going back to Judges, to carry out such a, an amazing task for our God. As I've always said to preachers in the past, if you're not going to preach the truth, go do something else. There are lots of jobs out there, right? That's a job hiring openings. Judges 6 and verse 25. Judges 6 and verse 25. Gideon. Now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull, and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut it down, cut down the asphalt that is beside it. Wait, God, you want me to go out there and cut down my father's? Yeah, you go cut down your father's idol. You sure you want me to do that? <laughs> Gideon does it. He's so afraid, though, listen to what the text says. And build an altar to the Lord, your God, on the top of the stronghold in an orderly manner, and take a second bull and offer a burnt offering 
with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. All right, so I'm going to take my father's idol, and I'm going to burn it. <laughs> yeah, you burn it down. Use that wood and burn it. Then Gideon took ten of men of his servants, and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And it came about because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it in the day that he did it by night. He still did it. My point is, he was a little afraid to do the work of God. Here come the Babylonians, Jeremiah chapter 1. They're coming, uh, sweeping through uh, uh, Judah shortly. And, and the prophet Jeremiah is telling him, this is what's going to happen. And, and this is what the Lord says. But before Jeremiah, uh, as he's commissioned, before Jeremiah goes out and preaches the word of God, there are some things that Jeremiah thought in his heart. Verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. Remember Moses said the same thing? Anyway, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Easy, right? Here's the problem. The problem is, for the most part, people really don't want to hear what you have to say, preacher. Well, I already know that. <laughs> because I read it in the Old Testament. What God had to say about people in general, right? Even about myself. So here's the issue. The issue is, in verse 8, God says, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Don't be afraid. Verse 17. Now grow up your loins, and arise and speak to them, all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them, lest I dismay you before them. Now behold, I have made you today a fortified city, and as a pillar of iron as well as bronze against the whole land to the kings of Judah and to princess, to his priests, and to the people of the land. It's, it's, it's like we, we sign this, um, our own spiritual, um, you know, what is it, the Hippocratic oath, do no harm, right? If you're going to be a preacher, you, can, you have to promise to do no harm to a church or to a kingdom, to the kingdom of God. But the idea is do no harm to the spiritual relationship that you have with God, right? You always tell the truth. You always preach the truth. Not always easy, but it's what we're commanded to do. Ezekiel chapter 3 in verse 4. Ezekiel 3 in verse 4. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligible speech or difficult language, but to the house of Israel, nor to a many people, nor to many peoples of unintelligible speech or difficult language whose words you cannot understand. But I've sent you to them who should, they should listen to you, right? That's what he, all right? That's kind of a problem when God said, well, they should. Well, Lord, what does that mean? Well, keep listening, preacher. Okay, Lord. Uh, yet to the house of Israel, they will not be willing to listen to you since they are not willing to listen to me. 
show that the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. The old I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery harder than flint, I have made your foreheads. Do not be afraid of them or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. Well, why preach if they're not going to listen, right? <laughs> What's the point of my job? Because it's not about you, preacher. Oh, God speaking maybe to Jeremiah. You see, we like those messages of God, and we expect the preacher to preach. But if the preacher starts meddling, then we got problems, right? Yeah. Preach the word, right? I think the Bible says that. We'll look at that in just a moment. Matthew, Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21. When Jesus came down to preach, I mean, he, you know, being, like, being like us, being made in the likeness of men, uh, he also went through the same thing, if you will, where he's standing in front of an, an obstinate and rebellious people. He's declaring the message of the Father, but they don't want to hear it. So what do you do with that? Well, you preach it anyway, right? Take away the excuse when we stand before God. I might even say excuse is. In Matthew 21, in verse 42, Jesus said to them, Do you, ne do you never read or did you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord. And it's marvelous in our eyes. And therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and will be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. And when they sought to seize him, they feared the multitudes because they held him to be a prophet. They even tried to grab Jesus and shake him up because they didn't like the message. So what do you do with that, right? What do you do with that? 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 4. Do we, do we say as preachers, wait a minute, Lord, who, me? Do you want me to go out and talk to these people? Even though I know these people aren't going to listen and they're going to get angry at me and they're going to they're ostracize me. Yeah, that's your job, preacher. That's what I called you for. 2 Timothy 4 and, and verse 2, the, the, the message is this. Preach the word, be instant or be ready, in season and out of season, uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, But, but wanting to have their ears tickled, that's, that's, that's a problem, right? But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desire. That happens, right? Happens all the time. There's this, there's this huge shortage of preachers um, in the brotherhood because... Uh, so many folks have wanted their ears tickled for so long that when the message of God is proclaimed, people seem to say, we want you, but we don't want to hear that message of God. What do you do with that? Do you say, who, me? Or do you say, dear God, uh, send me, right? They will turn their ear away, the Bible says, from the truth and will turn aside to myths. All right, preachers, preachers. All right, so this is what's supposed to happen, right? Let's go back to 2 Samuel chapter 12. What's supposed to happen is 
when a, when, a, when a man of God goes to the king, when the message of God comes to a man, when you hear the message of God, you are equally responsible for yourself, right? As I am for myself. And my responsibility is to respond to the message of God according to my sin, right? And so uh, you get, as I mentioned before, you get the sermon that's been developed, but I get the overflow because I get the rest of the stuff I took out. You just get this part. And I'm supposed to read the word of God and as God speaks to me through his word. I'm supposed to respond accordingly. Instead of asking God, wait God, are you talking about me? I'm supposed to identify with the fact that God is talking about me and change my life. So here's what I'm saying to us. Stop pointing the fingers at everybody else. And look at yourself. There are too many Christians who point the finger at everybody else and refuse to look to yourself. You've got to look to yourself. When you read the Bible, you have to look to yourself. Right? I'm looking at me, Lord. Show me me. I'm not worried about you. I just want to know about me. That's how you read the Bible. That's how we live as Christians. Look to self. If more Christians would do that, I believe the church would grow stronger. I believe we'd have more people in the church. I hear so often that people say, I don't go to church because there's too many judges in there. And they're all hypocrites. I mean, they're not correct. They're not right. But that's just their excuse they use because it's easy to point the finger at everybody else, but it's much more difficult to point the finger at yourself. So I'm going to use David for that example, right? Who goes out as a murderer. He murders Uriah the Hittite, one of his best men, one of his mighty men. Right? He sleeps with the man's wife. He's in trouble. He knows he's in trouble. What does he do? Does he look to God? Absolutely not. Why would he? And God says, Nathan, I need you to go preach to the king. Thank God Nathan didn't say, who me, Lord? Okay. But when Nathan goes to preach to the king, the king is so steeped in his own sins, he doesn't even think about himself. He only, the only thing he thinks about is that man who did such a horrible sin. Who would do such a horrible thing as this, Nathan? He still never figured it out. Isn't it easy? It's so easy to point the finger at everybody else. But look at yourself. Look at your family, right? Before you looked at everybody else. Man, I don't know. Listen to verse 5. Then David's anger burned against, uh, greatly against the man. And he said to Nathan... As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. And he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. Nathan said to David, you are (laughs) who me? I'm the man? Yeah, you're it. What's all that death stuff you were talking a minute ago? Well, we don't need to do that, right? You are the man, and thus says the Lord God of Israel, it is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I mean, David, you had it all. But you closed your heart, you closed your eyes, you closed your ear to the truth, and the first thing you did, David, was instead of looking to yourself, you looked to everybody else. And you said, that man deserves to die, but what about you? What about you? Wait, wait a minute. Wait, preacher. Who, me? You talking to me? Talking to all of us, maybe. 
right? I'm talking to all of us. You ever been in a crowd and someone's speaking negatively or maybe in a derogatory way? And they make this statement, and you happen to be just kind of walking by maybe, and you wonder if they're talking about you? And you ever, you ever done that? Or you ever heard someone talking behind your back, and you just happen to walk in, and there's that eerie feeling, and you get upset and angry, and you forget you just did it 10 minutes ago? Right? Isn't it so easy to get angry at everybody else? It's so easy to point the finger at everyone else. You ever read your Bible? You're sitting there, you're reading, and God reveals the secret of your heart. Did you handle it like David? Did you say that that man, God, deserves to die? Or did, you, did you fall on your knees in repentance? And maybe, that's what's, maybe that's not, is that happening in your house? I don't know. I mean, when you read the Bible, it's talking to you. Are you, are you reading it? And when you read it, do you, do you realize what God is trying to say to you? What is God saying to me? Does that still happen? Does it still bother you when you read the Bible sometimes? You're reading and you just happen to hit that scripture or those scriptures maybe you've tried to avoid over some time. Or maybe you just didn't even know it was there and you find something in there and you go, wow, this relates to me. What do you do with that? Is the Word of God, is it even talking to me? Yeah, it is, right? John chapter 4, please. Yes, it is. God is talking to me. Every time I open the pages up of the Word of God, when I, when I, when I get up there and I, I preach the Word, it is a two-edged sword. It is cutting me as it is cutting you, right? It is digging into my heart as it is digging into your heart, unless... I close my heart and I go, well, you know, thanks God for telling those sinners how to fix their lives. <laughs> right? That's not what this is about. God, tell me something. Help me, Lord. Verse 28, John chapter 4. So the woman, it's the woman at the well, right? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done this is not the Christ, is he? Wait, that's not how you're supposed to respond to the word of God. <laughs> Look at her love, right? See the man who told me everything I did wrong. I mean, I messed up my life, but Jesus told me everything. You guys, come meet this guy. Mm -mm. I don't want to meet him because I don't want him to tell me about my life, right? But that's where we're supposed to run. Run to the one who can tell me about my life. And offer no apology, but do it for my own soul's sake. That's God. Hebrews chapter, chapter 4. I love when you read the Word of God. When I read the Word of God, and as God um, uh, discloses, if you will, uh, my heart, and helps me to understand how to become better. And it reminds me in verse 12 about His Word. For the Word of God is, is, sharper, or, excuse me, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And there is no distinction hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare before the eyes of whom we have to do. So, when someone says, hey, good sermon, my first thought is, I haven't asked you yet, what did you get from it? What did you learn? What did God tell you? What did God tell you today?
when someone says, you know, I didn't really get much out of the sermon, well, you're listening to the scriptures. That's why I love to use so many scriptures. In that way, number one, uh, you might say, well, preacher, why are you using so many scriptures? Number one, because a scripture is where the power is. Number two, God takes his word and sends it out. And when God sends it out, it always accomplishes what he desires. Isaiah 55. So it's never me. <laughs> Thank God for that one, right? Isaiah chapter 55. It's never me. It's always the message of God in its proper context. God always, he's always talking to me. He's always talking to you individually. He's always talking to us. If you leave worship, you leave a Bible study, you leave a home study, and you don't get something out of your study, maybe I haven't been listening to God. Listen to what God says. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seeds to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Lord, here am I. Send the message to me. I want to know about me. Right? See, I know about me, but there are other things I know about me that I don't really want to talk about. How about you? But God wants to talk to me about them. And so I have to talk to him about it. Okay, Lord, you're right. I mean, here it is. It's right here. It's as clear as day. I'm so thankful. When I read the Word of God, I'm so thankful for what God says to me. Sometimes it's encouragement, right? Keep doing what you're doing, preacher. Keep going the way you're going. Other times it's like, hey, preacher, look, you're doing good, but you got to make some changes. You got to go back to your first love. Sometimes God is saying, oh, preacher, you messed up. Now you got to make this right. And I got to fall on my knees and pray, Lord, forgive me for this evil and for this wrong. I'm always asking God, forgive me. I don't know why I did that. I did it again. I was thinking this right here. I was doing this. And then this happened. And I sidetracked. I don't know how that happened. How's your conversation with God? He's talking to you through his word. What's your prayer life like? Dear God, I did it again. I had that thought. I was angry. I couldn't control myself. Whatever it may be. Whatever, whatever it is. God, is it me? Who, me, Lord? Am I the one you're calling to change I don't know. Is it you? Here's what I do know. When we read the Word of God, I'm going to Luke chapter 15. And, and the Word of God pricks our hearts. When we find that we've done something that we ought not do, we ought not have done. It's so simple. The formula of God is, is just incredible, right? It's just, you know, we always say, you know, as far as our public confession as public the sin is public the confession. That's a simple rule of thumb, right? If it's out there in the open, you might want to make it right. You might want to give, you know, tell your truth. Uh, you might want to ask your forgiveness to some folks in public because it was a public issue. If it's a private thing, you just go to God and pray. Or go to your individual, whomever it may be. Go to the individual you've sinned against. Maybe, maybe it's the husband 
Maybe it's the wife. Maybe it's the children. Maybe it's some relative. I mean, who knows what it is, but whatever it is, maybe you just have to go to that person. Be sure to go to that person and make it right. Or maybe it's just a thought. Maybe you had a thought that you, you know you shouldn't have had and it was brought to your attention. Then go to God and ask God to forgive you for that thought, whatever it is. Maybe I brushed someone off intentionally because I realize I've held a grudge. Maybe I've done this. Maybe I've done that. Look, if you've done something that you ought not do, take it to God. And sometimes you have to go to an individual. Sometimes you have to go to a group. And then when you're struggling and you go, I just can't overcome this for some reason. I keep, I'm, I'm drawn back to this thing. Then maybe you need to ask the prayers of the church. Right? Maybe it's not a public sin, but you just need more prayer. Because there's still power in prayer, right? I think so, right? There's power in prayer. Or maybe, I just, maybe I just need more prayers just for help. Or maybe I'm not feeling well. Or maybe, whatever it is I need, I need to make it known to my family. Is that the right word to use? My church family? Or are we just estranged, right? Family can tell family just about anything, can't they? If we're truly family. Are we family? God says we, we are. What about in our minds? Where, where do we truly stand as a family of God? Here's what I do know. Luke 15 and verse 7. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who need no repentance. I do know that's still true. And tonight, if you need prayers made in your behalf, still true. Tonight, if you need help, it's still true. Tonight, if you need encouragement, it's still true. And after worship, I, by the way, I applaud you all. Thank you for talking to folks today. I could feel it. I knew it was happening. Because I stood at the door and no one came. I'm like, man, they didn't come. maybe it's the sermon. I don't know. But they didn't come because everyone was talking to someone else. I love that. Keep doing that. Leave me empty back there at the building. Let me stand there all alone because you're talking to people and you're making sure that no one leaves here having fought against Satan, feeling empty. But instead, we all leave this building built up, edified, strengthened, encouraged, and we feel like that we can say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. We shall assemble on the mountains.